the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Tuesday, May the 10th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today on May 10, 1940, during World War II, British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain, he resigned. Winston Churchill formed a new government and carried on. I think he stayed calm most of the time, but not all the time. Today, in uh, 1775, Ethan Allen and his Green Mountain Boys, along with Colonel Benedict Arnold, they captured the British-held fortress of Ticonderoga, New York. Today, in 1818, Paul Revere died in Boston. He was 83 years old. Today, in 1869, a golden spike was driven in uh, Promontory, Utah, that marked the completion of the first transcontinental railroad in the United States. It also marked the end, basically, of the Pony Express. There was no need for that, for the Express anymore, of course. But uh, a lot of things changed with that. But they, they had started on the East Coast, the West Coast, as you probably know. And these two different operations had been working toward one another. And they met and the tracks lined up and everything worked out just great. That was today in 1869. Today in 1924, J. Edgar Hoover was named acting director of the Bureau of Investigation, later known as the Federal Bureau of Investigation, or FBI. Today in 1933, Nazis staged a massive book, uh, public book burning all through Germany and various cities. All the books they disagreed with, they burned publicly, made a big deal out of it. Today, in 1941, Adolf Hitler's deputy, Rudolf Hess, he parachuted into Scotland. He said he was going there on a peace mission. That was not the case, as we all know. Hess ended up serving a life sentence at Spandau Prison until 1987, when he died. After investigation, they said it was probably suicide. He was 93 years old. Many said, no, it wasn't suicide. People got to him that hated him. Who knows? Today in 2013, the Internal Revenue Service apologized for what it acknowledged was inappropriate targeting of conservative groups during the 2012 election. There's a new poll out this morning, a survey. It's uh, done by LifeWay. They do a number of polls, but they do one in particular every year. It's kind of their main thing that that they do. They do other uh, surveys as well. But they found that three in four U.S. Protestant pastors, 75%, say that apathy or lack of commitment in their congregation is a people dynamic that they find most challenging in their churches. It's a quite a lengthy survey, and I'm not going to get into it today except just to mention it. It was just published this morning. Pastors, they say, often deal with churchgoers with strong opinions, 
but they're much more concerned about the people in their congregations who don't seem to care much at all or have no opinion. In the final release, their final release of their surveys, it's called Lifeway Research's 2022 Greatest Needs of Pastors Study, and um, we may talk about this more in a later program, but they say most pastors say the primary people dynamic challenge they face in their churches is people's apathy or unwillingness to commit. Many people can be a member of a church, but not participate in the work of the church and so on. And it goes into depth and talks about all the various things. But I think one of the reasons that they, I don't know if they mentioned this in the it or not, because it was just published, and I just glanced at it before we came on the air live this morning. But um, I, I think one of the reasons, and I'm, I'm not blaming, I mean, I'm an ordained minister and have been all of my adult life and a pastor for many years. Um, I think one of the reasons that we have a little bit of um, apathy in the church is that maybe the pulpit isn't as strong as it could be in addressing the culture, the needs, from a biblical perspective, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, but letting the, the people know what's going on in their world and how the gospel of Jesus Christ relates to what's going on in their world. What's going on in their world could be solved. I don't mean to overstate in simplicity, but I mean, Jesus really is the answer to this world, to today. And the issues that we're dealing with out here can be solved through the power of God as expressed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You change a heart, you can change a culture. Maybe, I don't know, I'm sure that isn't mentioned, I would suspect it's not mentioned in this survey, but I think that's a part of the issue because people are apathetic because they're not getting strong directives or strong leadership, maybe. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not blaming pastors, and I don't want to sound that way, but it concerns me. I, I'm not, this isn't directed at anyone. It's just I see it again and again and again. Pastors are beaten down by the culture, and now it is the political culture that's going after the church, people like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden claiming to be devout Catholics, and yet they are hammering the very foundations of Christianity with their policies. So people said back, and when that's not addressed because, quote, we don't want to be political or whatever, then people have no directives. They don't have a sense of of direction collectively, individuals may have, but collectively as a church body. So I don't know. I think that's a part of it, and I don't know if it's mentioned, as I said, in that survey or not. I'll I'll take a look at it later. But anyway, 75% of pastors say apathy is the greatest problem in their church. John Nance wrote a stinging article this morning. I wouldn't mention it if it were some marginalized person writing this, but John Nance is not that person. He's very well known. He's profoundly uh, significant in evangelicalism. He's known pretty well, and uh, he writes a lot, and a lot of people read what he writes. But the headline of what he published this morning was published in Town Hall, which is a subsidiary, or it's it's one of the operations of businesses of Salem Broadcasting. 
But it was published elsewhere as well. I saw it in at least one or two other places. But he, he, it's titled, Biden is no child of God. And it's a, he's directly addressing uh, 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 something that Biden said recently. He starts with, I'm just going to touch on this. He said, Biden recently defended his support of infanticide, meaning the idea of maybe taking the life of a baby after it's born in the name of abortion because you were uncertain at the time just prior to the birth of whether or not you wanted the child. And that is a conversation, an ongoing conversation that is taking place among us, believe it or not. But he said Biden recently defended his support of infanticide by claiming to be a child of God. Strange assertions are not unexpected from Biden. His 40-year political career have been characterized by gaffes, and his recent persistent mental decline has reduced him to a babbling chatterbox. But he said uh, he did manage to give some uh, clarity recently, however associated from logic. He said, I believe I have the rights that I have, not because government gave it to me, which you believe, but because I'm just a child of God, I exist. He said that during a press conference, actually. I think it was last Wednesday, if I'm not, Wednesday or Thursday. But anyway, then Nance goes into this quite a lengthy article. But he said, despite Biden's best efforts to appear to straddle the fence on Roe v. Wade, he's placed himself in full support of infanticide. He pays lip service to respecting the views of the pro-life movement, disagreeing with the view that life begins at the moment of conception. And Nance says that's a view held by his Catholic Church for two millennia, for 2,000 years. Biden courts his left-wing base and party by muddying the discourse about viability. In other words, when does life begin? And he goes into some detail uh, on life and conception and, and all of this. But Nance concludes, he says, if Biden is going to claim to be a child of God, then he's, co- he's committed to abiding by God's law. The math here is pretty simple. He said that's why Biden gets it so wrong. God forbids murder, he says so explicitly in the Ten Commandments. Therefore, you cannot actively support infanticide and claim to be part of the family of God. What's worse is Biden's use of God's name to proselytize for the abortion industry. Behind the rather obvious subterfuge, Biden is an infernal archbishop making his converts twofold the children of hell. Well, I'm not suggesting that pastors preach that from the pulpit, although many have in the past, and they've had great results like the Great Awakening and so on in America and Europe, for that matter, before that. But I think we need a clear message to get clear and measurable results in our world today. And there isn't, all too often, there isn't clear results. And the media is now, more than ever, and they've been doing it for a long time, they are beginning to shape the news like a potter would shape a piece of pottery on the potter's wheel. They're beginning to shape the news more and more, even more than they have been. Around facts, they'll put a fact in a news story, Then they build around that a false uh, consequence of that news story. Here's an example. Yahoo News put this out about two hours ago this morning. A new Yahoo News YouGov poll, and YouGov is fairly well known. They do a lot of polling. So 
what that means is Yahoo, uh, they uh, paid for the polling and YouGov did it. YouGov would have known what Yahoo wanted the outcome to be. I'm not saying they skewed it, but it happened. In in fact, most often it happens. The person who's paying for the survey usually get, not always, but usually get somewhere near what they want the outcome of that to be. I'm sad to say, but it's true. But anyway, Yahoo News YouGov poll just uh, just out this this morning, just a few minutes ago. Um, they said that America's confidence in the U.S. <coughs> excuse me, the U.S. Supreme Court has collapsed over the last 20 months. I, I believe that. A period that began, they say. Okay, so that's the fact. Now here's the pot that they're sculpting around that truth. A period that began with the former President Donald Trump and Senate Republicans installing a six to three conservative majority ahead of the 2020 election and culminated last week with the leak of a draft opinion signaling that five GOP-appointed justices plan to overturn Roe v. Wade. So the Supreme Court is not trusted anymore because of the timing and the actions of former President Donald Trump and his cohorts, Republican in the Senate, installing a 6-3 to conservative majority ahead of the 2020 election. They completely ignored the fact that there may be justices on the Supreme Court who are originalists, who believe that the Constitution means what it says, not some other thing that we make up to attach to it because it's a living document. They believe in the original intent of the document. They're originalists. But they leave all that out. To them, it is all political. The religious left and the political left have that in common. Everything is in transition. Everything is fluid. That's why there's so much confusion. And that may well be, again, because there are no clear sounds of the trumpet or signals coming to the church in too many cases. Not all cases, but too many cases. And that may well be why the church is apathetic. I want to talk to you a little bit about the Christian left. Christian, best-selling author, Jen Hatmaker, she calls herself a Christian. She moved in evangelical circles for a number of years. She's a best-selling author. She has, I don't know, 800,000, a million followers on her social media and one thing or another. She has quite a bit of influence. She's voiced her support for Roe v. Wade after a leak. This is Christian, quote-unquote, author, best-selling author, Jen Hatmaker. You may not have heard of her, but a lot of people have, and especially it skews a little younger uh, she was very popular some years ago, but she's re- continued. She didn't. Uh, she may have believed these things, but she didn't make statements in support of. People didn't know that she was pro-abortion and pro-gay marriage and all this kind of thing. But anyway, she came out yesterday, and um, she voiced her support for Roe v. Wade after the leaked U.S. Supreme Court opinion indicates that the landmark decision is, you know, the story is legalized abortion appears to be overturned by what we saw in this leaked document here a few days ago. She was once, as I said, a biblical evangelical. She's now turned to so-called progressive 
Christianity. And that's what I want to address for a few minutes this morning. Claiming to be Christian while denying the very truth of the gospel, which is the basis for Christianity. Christianity is about Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. How do you be a Christian, and a Christian leader no less, when you deny the very documents, the Bible, upon which Christianity is founded and built by Jesus Christ himself? Alicia Childers, she's also a well-known Christian author and a singer, she found her church drawing away from the biblical gospel toward progressivism. She was very popular a few years ago. She was in this um, contemporary Christian singing uh, group, a band called Zoe Girl. Her response was quite different from that of Hatmaker, though, and I want to talk to you a little bit about these two women who chose a different path. Hatmaker's been making headlines in recent years for her spiritual move away from Scripture toward a, quote, different gospel. That's what Paul called it in the New Testament. It's a progressive gospel. It's making headlines. If Biden and Pelosi were Protestants, they would be very much just based on what they believe. And I, I mean, I don't know their heart. God does. But based on what they believe and what they say publicly, incessantly say publicly, uh, if they were Protestants, they would be part of this so-called progressive Christian movement. But they're Catholic, so they're not part of it for that reason, I presume. But this progressive gospel is making headlines because Christianity is being blamed as a stumbling block or the last really barrier or stumbling block to the progressives moving to this utopia that they dream of and talk about a lot, which doesn't exist in the context of what they're talking about. The Christian Post said yesterday, quoting Hatmaker, it simply makes them more dangerous, she argued. And dangerous for whom? One in four American women have had an abortion. So dangerous for your daughters, dangerous for your sisters, your best friends, your colleagues, your neighbors, your church friends, and of course those of you reading with your quiet, private, personal history here, as it should be, yourself. What's she talking about? She's talking about unlimited access to abortion. In the name of the Lord, of course. She said it would be disproportionately dangerous for women of color and under-resourced women and all of the social ills that we have in our, in our culture. She said it will bring that to the surface if Roe v. Wade is overturned. Christian Hatmaker further argued that abortion is a choice women make for endless personal reasons, I'm quoting her, including the health of the mother, the health of the baby, rape, incest, viability, financial stability or instability, a dangerous home environment, lack of help, of course, reasons that are theirs alone as it's their body. They can do as they choose. Apparently, you are God if you are a woman with a body. There seems to be no sense of consequence and no sense of commitment to the God who created us in this whole narrative, and there isn't, really. She said, Hatmaker said, this is intensely personal and private, and women deserve uh, agency and choice, not only with their bodies, but over the decision to parent for the rest of their lives. 
anti-abortion advocates, she says, the pro-life people, have every right to their convictions, but those convictions should not apply to their bodies, their families, and their futures of other people. Then there was this more recently, uh, there was uh, back in 2016, she came out affirming same-sex marriage, and it was that was a real problem for the church because people quoted her a lot to their pastors who had had her as a guest in previous years. She's a pretty prolific speaker, actually. I never had her, but some pastors did. But anyway, then she changed direction. But her daughter had disclosed that she was grappling with reconciling her sexuality and her spirituality for years. So more recently, Jen Hatmaker came out and is embracing now same-sex marriage, and she has received immense positive feedback, she says, from the Christian community. She said her greatest regret was speaking against homosexuality, pointing out that it was sin when it is not. She said, I wouldn't change one ounce of who she is, her daughter. Not a monocule, not a moment. The only thing I would change in our story is I wish I could go back and shake myself to life sooner. Well, 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 before, she said. In yesterday's article, Hatmaker called the legislative opponents to row political theater. Alisa Childers never thought she would ever question her Christian faith. She'd been raised in a Christian home, in a Christian church. She was part of the worship leader team and all of that. She had seen her mom and dad do all the things that Christians should do, feed the hungry, clothe the homeless, love the outcast, and we should. She had dedicated her own life to leading worship. She was part of, as I mentioned earlier, Zoe Girl, which was a very popular Christian band a few years ago. All that was deeply challenged when she met a progressive pastor who called himself a hopeful agnostic. He was charming. He was charismatic in personality. And she was the beginnings of being led down the path to a progressive, a more enlightened Christianity. She's written a book about all of that, and I certainly don't have time to get into any more of it, but you get the drift of her. what happened to her. She was being misled by this very... Uh, charismatic type person personality pastor who was who was leading her astray for sure and others but she wrote this book another gospel a question mark and uh she wrote it a few years ago but it's it's a good book i would recommend you, you read it if you have questions you know deeper questions about all this if you have someone in your family who's come out and they said well i'm gay or i'm bisexual or transgender or whatever um, you might want to read this book. I, it, I mean, as it relates, the, she's not going deep. I've read the book. She's not going deep into all of the science of all of that, but she's looking at how that conflicts with the gospel because there is more and more today a move, not only in the the homosexual community, the movement, the agenda, but just in general, political, abortion, Whatever the the moral issue is, it's now being drawn in by our president, by the Speaker of the House, and by others. It's being drawn in as a spiritual matter, and it's being addressed in a spiritual tone using biblical theology 
that isn't correct biblical theology. And there's kind of a sense of, oh, at last we found somehow, some way to uh, condone what we're doing and affirm it. And that has been the hallmark of the gay uh, homosexual movement from the get-go, way back in the 70s when it started servicing and they started pushing for rights and all that kind of thing. They were always looking for affirmation and they were looking for celebration, not acceptance. And that's true not only in the homosexual movement, the LGBTQ plus AI, I don't know, ABCDE, whatever, uh, that movement, they're looking not only, not just for the ability to live as they want and love whom they love or whatever, they want affirmation and they want punishment meted out on those who do not affirm and celebrate their lifestyle. It is way beyond just tolerance. When's the last time you heard the left use the word tolerance? They don't use it anymore. They're way beyond tolerance. Tolerance was getting the door open so they could begin to control the culture. They don't want tolerance. They want to be affirmed and they want to be celebrated. You think about that as you watch all this stuff that plays out in the news. Her book, Another Gospel, addresses that, but she tells the story about how she was led astray for a period of time. In her, in her mind, she loved the Lord, but she got all mixed up with all of this stuff as it's being, now it's, it's a public issue, and as I said, it's out there, and if you listen carefully, you see President Biden and, and Nancy Pelosi, even Chuck Schumer jumping in, and he's, he's giving his moral little sermons or little, you know, talks. Uh, everything is headed toward spirituality now, and everything is kind of being pushed under this umbrella of spirituality because they feel that gives it more uh, more power, more influence in the culture, because the culture is not in step in America, is not necessarily in step with what these guys believe spiritually. So we live in a very confused world. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not progressive in the sense of what people, the progressives, are presenting it today. The progressive Christians deny the power of Christ's spilled blood for the atonement of our sins. Charles Wesley wrote, he breaks the power of reigning sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. Michael Gungor, he's one of the leaders of the progressive Christian movement. He says, that God needed to be appeased with blood is not beautiful, it's horrific and wrong. (laughs) When the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he explained that God was using him and others to spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere. He went on to say that not everyone found that smell to be so sweet. Some thought it smelled like a rotting corpse. He said the cross is a stumbling block to some. That's the environment, that's the situation that we find ourselves in today. This is because the real gospel confronts our personal sin, the sin we cling to and inherently love because we are fallen. We will be rotten to the core without repentance and the transformation of the Holy Spirit. Only when we grasp how treacherous our sin is can we recognize how wonderful the gift of God's grace is. And sin is rarely mentioned. 
I'm out of time. I wish I had much more time, but we'll continue tomorrow right here. Thank you for your support. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. See you tomorrow. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.